So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, so welcome back to the podcast. Uh, what if I told you you're going to unpack, listen to, get to know a friend of mine who could talk about gunfights in battle to selling 26, 2700 homes a year with 240 agents, the number one team down in San Antonio, Texas, Mr. Levi Rogers. Levi, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming down. Like, or I should say coming up because I'm yeah. in Dallas, right? Making the trip. Yeah. So, so Levi, you and I did a, a roadmap tour recently and I felt bad for the person that had to speak after you because you shared the story of your journey of real estate, but you started it by sharing your story of the military. Right. So we're going to talk a lot about real estate today, but I really would love for you to share. Tell us about your life in the military, what, went, you, know, what you went through before you got into real estate. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. You know, um, I joined the army 17 years old and just young kid out of California lost trying to figure out what's next in life. And, uh, I ended up joining the army and I was a heavy equipment operator. Uh, and, uh, first duty station was Fort drum, New York. And, uh, I didn't like it. It was cold. We we're plowing snow. It wasn't, uh, wasn't the most action filled type job. And so, uh, on a deployment, uh, that I was on to, uh, Bosnia, uh, 1996, uh, I noticed these guys that were, uh, walking around and, you know, they just looked different and, uh, were cool and had long hair and in civilian clothes and uh, asked my squad leader at the time, I said, hey, who are those guys? And he said, uh, they're Green Berets. I was like, what's that? And this is yeah. pre-Google, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I went to the career counselor tent and got a little folder and it said, become a Green Beret and, uh, and here's the process. And so uh, um, I did it and I went out and uh, tried out for the Army Special Forces uh, in uh, 1998. Uh, and then that's where I spent the rest of my, my military career was in uh, seven Special Forces group. At the time they were at Fort Bragg, now they're in uh, Eglin Air Force Base in uh, Florida. And so. so how old were you when you joined the military and then how old were you when was, you was, got into special forces? I was 17 when I joined and then I was 21 when I went over to the special forces. So what kind of person signs up for special forces? What kind of person makes it in special forces? Well, I think that, um, not many, you, you know, uh, we have a, a saying, you know, as an average, a uh, hundred people try out and three, three will make it all the way through the end. So there's a pretty grueling process. Uh, but I think oftentimes people equate that to physicality of mm -hmm. the selection process. But, uh, what I've seen is the, the mental yeah. uh, portion of it really get a lot of folks. And so it's a very, um, mentally tough, uh, lifestyle, you know, uh, to, you know, just live constantly on the edge and know that you're going to do dangerous stuff. And, you know, your, your family may see you this week or may not, you know, and uh, sure. it's pretty wild lifestyle. So, uh, uh, you've got the mental game, uh, that's going to affect it as well as the physical game. And so, uh, I just say somebody that's mentally tough and committed, uh, is going to be the type of avatar per se. It's going to make it through. And I know, <clears throat> I, I know that that translated into your real estate business. Absolutely. Right? 
and, and the people that you attract and how you run your shop. And we're going to get into all that stuff too. This is going to be like, there's a lot to unpack in this podcast. Mm -hmm. You shared a story though of your deployment in Iraq mm -hmm. when you basically nearly died. Right. Uh, so um, share that story. Yeah. So we were, we were in Afghanistan, Afghanistan and, uh, I and uh, it was, I was serving, I was a commander of a special forces, a team, uh, and, uh, we were operating in the, the Southwest portion of Afghanistan near the Iranian border. And, uh, it was a really cool uh, mission that we were doing. Uh, we were working with, uh, a village militia and they had to, uh, um, secure a certain, uh, highway that was coming in and out of, uh, Iran into Afghanistan. And, uh, so we had a particularly set of, uh, um, KPIs per se that we had to uh, hit <laughs> numbers and, uh, yes. Um, yes. and uh, goals um, yes. and so uh, while we were operating in around the area um, we had a lot of um, a lot of uh, enemy activity a lot of conflict uh, several gunfights and so forth that we had to react to and so so on and so forth but when we were returning uh, back to our home base uh, we encountered what's called an IED an improvised explosive device and uh, unfortunately our, our vehicle struck about a 400 pound bomb and um, what happened is uh, everybody in the vehicle uh, with the exception of myself was was killed uh, and um, you, you know I don't remember personally the the event going down now mm -hmm. through stories of those that that do um you know uh, uh i certainly you know can recollect and and share the story but uh um you know while the, the gunfire ensued because uh, typically when when you hit a bomb there's uh, the bad guys are are, are overwatching right mm -hmm. it's the purpose of why they put an obstacle out there and so so the team's in a gunfight uh you know it's a, a lot of emotions going on you know there's lost they're friends, you know, it's a bad situation. Uh, one of the team members, uh, Pedro Solis, uh, who works at my office today, uh, he was the guy that, that got to the vehicle and got me away from the, the burning vehicle and to the medic. And uh, that played a tremendous part in, uh, in you know, allowing me to, to live. And uh, uh, so I didn't, you know, burn to death. And uh, um, the team uh, continued on in the gunfight, got the area secured. Uh, they called in a medical evacuation. Uh, unfortunately, um, they got uh, they got us out of there. Uh, and, um, you know, immediately I went to a, a medical, like a field hospital where they started to, you know, you know, f try to save me. Yeah. Uh, and um, I had a lot of burns, a lot of orthopedic issues, a lot of uh, internal issues. Uh, issues going on. And so, uh, well, they, they got me stable, uh, ended up putting me into a uh, induced, uh, medical coma, uh, just because the burns are a very painful thing. Yeah. Um, like and what, just give us context. What percentage of your body was burned? 40%. And so fortunately, like, like my face was a hundred percent burned, but, uh, you know, our medics, they, they did such a great job of putting, uh, just like this, this gel stuff on my face. I mean, they did a great job of, uh, yeah. uh, keeping me, um, keeping me stable and alive and uh but uh yeah 40 percent total body surface area burns i've got uh, skin grafts on my back and my legs and uh um you know i've got uh, one of them where i have my bracelet here yeah. you can see where my uh, sleeves were rolled back and my gloves were on where you could see that where the burn was there and then where my watch was at you can see the the, the watch uh, outline and uh, I thought about getting the time and date tattooed just but, tattooed on uh, there. Exactly. but um, yeah. you know uh, so I was medically evacuated to Germany uh, and uh, then I was uh, taken to Fort Sam uh, Houston Texas and what's uh, what's really neat is all this happened within 72 hours and I see 
I see a lot of noise out there that the the government doesn't take care of the troops or this or that. But uh, I mean, if you compare what happened in my journey to, let's say, somebody who was in Vietnam, yeah, seventy two hours from the point of injury, I was in a in, in a gunfight in a truck that exploded where four other human beings brutally killed. And 72 hours later, I'm getting the world's best medical care in San Antonio, Texas. Like, phenomenal. When I sit back and think about what, yeah. what our government is willing to do to help just one person survive, yeah. like, you know, and I'll get on later in our discussion, but like, you know, I get asked often, you know, Levi, why, you know, how did you do this? You know, you know, how did you build this company and your team and et cetera, et cetera? I don't have a choice. I got blown up and lived. You know, four human beings died under my direction, and I lived. Not going to let that go to waste. It's just not going to happen. And uh, just like today, I have a pretty damn stacked day and uh, figured it out. You know, fly to Dallas, right. fly back to San Antonio, get back to work. And so, right. um, so for me, it's, it's, there's, there's no choice but to just um, live the most amazing life as humanly possible. But uh, um, got to San Antonio, Texas. Uh, spent about six weeks in an induced coma at the burn at the burn center. Uh, I almost uh, almost died, uh, and um, it was because of uh, I developed a condition called ARDS, which is an acute respiratory disorder, oh, yeah. uh, which is what what was happening in COVID. That's what was right. killing everybody in COVID. Right. And um, so I was on a respirator as well during this time. Uh, but uh, finally, I, I came out of it, and uh, uh, they took me down to the step-down unit, uh, and um, I spent probably about another six to eight weeks uh, in the hospital. And then um, once I was released, uh, I went on to go do my uh, physical uh, recovery, uh, as well as uh, you know just all the, the mental health stuff right. that you have to do and should do. I think a lot of our people shy away from it, but um, you know it's uh, uh, so that was about two years uh, that I spent there at Fort Sam Houston, just going to therapy every day, uh, you know, learning to walk, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what was that like, though? I mean, going back to that time, I mean, I. For, for my friend that's listening right now, I'm watching you and I'm seeing you tear up, yeah. right? This is, you know, just I, thank you for your service. Mm, I appreciate and that. that. And, and that almost doesn't feel enough. Do you know what I mean? But like, you know, I love you. So it's yeah. just, I'm watching you and I like, I want to like reach across the table and hug you. Mm. How, how hard was it to physically recover? And what did you do to mentally recover? You lost four guys under you. So like that just that like how do you get over that? It, it's it, I think for me as perspective, you know, um, you you know at the time too. I mean, if you you hit a four hundred pound bomb and you live, I mean, you're gonna become very uh, very in touch with uh, for me for with God. Um, mm -hmm. It was I was extremely involved with church at this time, you know, and um, you know four of my friends died in the same vehicle I was in, and I lived, and uh, um, so I just. Um, Faith was a big part of my recovery, yeah. uh, but then also perspective. Uh, the Center for Intrepid down there in San Antonio, uh, it's um, one of the world's like best rehabilitation facilities. So at the time in 2009, 2010, there was a lot of wounded, ill, and injured service members and their families in and around that area. And I'm blessed. I have both arms. I have both legs. I have the ability to process thought and speak. I have, you know, and so who the hell am I to complain about how bad my knees hurt yeah. when I'm sitting next to the guy that has no knees? Yeah. 
And and so it wasn't easy. There was nights where I'd go home and I'd take a couple more pain pills than I probably should have. You know, there's nights where I'd go home and I'd be the the angry veteran, you know. But at the end of the day, the perspective of seeing my fellow fellow comrades and fellow warfighters there, um, you know, struggling through their their injuries, and which uh, um, I, mine are certainly bad, but. Again, you know, like the example I gave, who the hell am I to complain about how about right. my knees hurt when I'm sitting next to a man that has no knees? Yeah. And so um, all of that and being in an environment uh, that, the, that the military created right there for us to recover and knowing full well we've had a lot of support, like it, it was my responsibility, you know, and um, and that's just how I've approached it. You know, another big part of it is benevolence, you know. Um, I've got a great life now, but, you know, I would not have this opportunity that I've been given without the kindness and generosity of so many people and, yes. and, and oftentimes strangers, like people I didn't even know, uh, the Rea family out of New Jersey, this family, you know, they, they gave my family and I an apartment to live in when I had no money. And just couldn't afford it. Uh, gave us an apartment to live in, and um, you know, for my whole recovery, two years, I stayed in that apartment. Never did they like, hey, are you, are you almost done? You know, none of that. It's just uh, however much support you need, and it just it taught me so much. And it all points back to I just had no choice. I have to do it. This is my this is my new mission in life is to to get better and show the world that my people can do it too, and and not let the opportunity of life become a wasted one. You know, we could end this podcast right now and it's enough, but we got to talk about the transition. So how did you, how did you go from there into real estate? What in the world were you thinking? So, so transition is tough. And, um, you know, whether you're transitioning from military service or transitioning out of a divorce into what it's going to be like, or from college to the workforce, transition's tough. And yeah. so, uh, for me, I had a lot of a uh, lot of challenges, uh, economic ones. You know, um, I just looking for work. I had no idea what I was going to do. I don't have a college degree. Mm -hmm. You know, I entered the army at 17. You know, yeah. I didn't stop to go to college. And so, uh, my skill sets that I had militarily. I couldn't physically do, nor was I emotionally in a place to where I can go overseas and be a contractor and, you know, do those things. It just, you know, so now this extremely capable human being that can jump out of an airplane in the middle of the night at 25,000 feet and land in a spot, you know, and uh, uh, um, now I'm in this foreign land called San Antonio, Texas, and I have to be a civilian and do something that I don't know. It was, it was extremely tough. Uh, and, you know, to be quite honest, it was the, the portion of my journey that was the most difficult. Uh, and so, um, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, he's like, hey, Levi, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you sell that house you have out in North Carolina? Like, I don't know. Let me, let me call the realtor. Let me see why, you know. And he's like, yeah. well, you know, a buddy of mine sold a house and uh, he made some money. And, like, we're completely oblivious, like, you know, and right. no this idea. 2010, 11, 2010, uh, yeah, absolutely, 2010. Okay. Yeah. And so, so um, you know, my, my buddy George, he gave me that advice. And so I, I called the old real estate agent. His name was Gary Langdon. I'll never forget this guy as long as I live. Yeah. I, I mean, like, so – I called Gary and I'm like, hey, Gary, it's Levi Rogers and uh, how are, and he cut me off. I'm like, what's up? He's like, Levi, how are you doing? 
like the guy remembered me. Yeah. At, at least in my mind. I mean, he yeah. probably had my name yeah. saved or whatever, sure. but uh, but he remembered me. And uh it just emotionally it felt really cool that that he remembered me. Uh and he said, "Hey, did you did you do everything that I asked you to do to the house?" And I'm like, what do you mean? And uh, like, you know, all the stuff that I told you about. And I'm like, well, actually, yeah, Gary, I did. And I did more. I even got vinyl siding. You know, I mean, I started to get into yeah. it. And uh, um, and uh, um, I was like, well, hey, Gary, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about selling a house. You think I can make some money on it? He's like, it's probably worth about $150,000 more than what you paid for it. How much do you owe? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so I just yeah. went through the whole process. Right. And uh, well, anyways, uh, we sold the house uh, and um, ended up doing – Doing pretty good on yeah, it, and yeah. uh, walked out with a little over a hundred thousand bucks, and uh, which is more money than I right. ever thought I would ever run into. Right. So paid down all my debt, and um, you know, I've you know got a little bit of money left over, and uh, I'm sitting there. I still don't have a, a job, you know, and I still I'm getting out of the army, you know, and I don't really know what to do next. And so I said, this this real estate agent, this this complete stranger, this this guy, Gary. He gave me some advice in the front yard of a of a house, you know, twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. I got on my friend Google and just how to become a real estate agent, and uh, went to the local board, went to their school, and uh, about two months later, I had my real estate license, and uh, just haven't stopped yet, you know. And it's uh, just just putting people and families first, and doing what Gary did uh, for me to people and families, and helping them win. It's just really been the secret sauce. So it's 2010, 2011, the, you know, the real estate economy nationally is improving. You know, we're, we still have short sales that we're closing across the country. The San Antonio market, the Texas market certainly wasn't what it is and what has been like the last seven or eight years. What were the first couple of years like? Cause I want to get to the point, but I want to take our time. Yeah. I want to get to the point where suddenly it's in the middle of the pandemic and you go from having 30 people to 200 people, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that. Okay. What were the first couple of years like? Was it easy? Was it hard? Was it like, what did you do? How many homes did you sell? So I was fortunate the the real estate broker uh, that, um, you know, took, took me in. Uh, she had, uh, you know, brought, brought me in, took care of me and uh, gave me some good education and opportunities. And uh, um, I jumped on that ecosystem. I was showing renters, rentals for people yeah. in, the, in the neighbor, in the, in the neighborhood, in the, in the, the, the office there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, shortly after I landed uh, my parachute in real estate per se, you know, I got, a, I got a random cold call from a Zillow rep and uh, the guy. Uh, I thought I heard this. What's that? Yeah, no, I thought I heard this story. So yeah. Unpack oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I got a call from this guy. His name was Kurt and uh, yep. we're, we're still buddies today. He actually lives in Austin. He's not a, uh, not a Zillow no more, but uh, he called me and he's like, Hey, you know, I work with Zillow and uh, it's just, um, you know, I think maybe we can help you out. And I'm like, Oh, what's that? I didn't know what a lead was. It, it, n- yeah. Nothing completely yeah. oblivious, everything. Yeah. And uh, he signed me up for like a $300 a month spend. And yeah. uh, I was, I was, sweating it and um you know what's interesting now is that you can't even get like a connection for right. 500 yeah, bucks exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, how times have changed i had like a whole zip code <laughs> for like 300 bucks and uh um 
And I didn't know what I was really doing. I was yeah. answering the phone, trying to help people. But he coached me, taught me. He yeah. helped mentor me and uh, how to answer phones and how to help uh, help folks and taught me how to prospect. And uh, he put a lot of time into helping me. So, um, you know, my real estate journey, just like my transition journey um, out of uh, military service uh, to civilian life, uh, it involves so many others, whether it's uh, yeah. an interaction at the copy machine at the office with a random agent or the broker or or this guy, Kurt. Uh, so uh, I just started absorbing as much as I could from everybody and then taking action on it. And I, I think that I look back now, that's a huge differentiator is yeah. that I wasn't fearful uh, to just go try new things and make try to make things happen. I had my military retirement, so I knew I was going to be okay at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I just took action and tried new things. And uh, um, eventually... About a year and a half, two years into it, uh, I started to need help. And that's where this whole idea of a team came about. Yeah. And uh, um, I went and visited uh, one of the big teams in Remax at the time, Ronnie Matthews. Uh, he spent uh, spent a whole day with me. Yeah. And um, yeah. Ronnie uh, just gave me some vision. And uh, I just just did it. it. You make it sound so simple. And you and I both know, like, it is simple, but it's incredibly hard. Yeah. So give us the journey of, so it's got to be 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, big shout out to Ronnie Matthews, right? Like, yeah, Ronnie, thank you. Right? Thank you for your time. I, <laughs> right, because yeah. think about it. He just said, open kimono. This is what it looks like. This is how I did it. This is where these leads are. This is how I hire salespeople. This is how I train them. Right. And, and just like what a blessing it is to have, whether it's a mentor or a friend, it's the word that my dad always said to me over and over again, whoever gets the most exposure to success and then executes. It's exposure and execution, mm. right? The path is in front of everybody. That's why the person listening right now is like, okay, Levi, what'd you do next? How'd right. you do it? So you, you got too busy, you ran out of time, who did you bring on board first? So um, what's interesting is that uh, while this is going through my mind, uh, there was a, a lady at our office. Her name was Michelle, Michelle Gamma. It's our very first uh, team member, and she's still with us today, which is cool. Um, and, uh, and she's, you know, hey, let's let's start a team. And I'm like, what's that? You yeah. know, and uh, <laughs> right. how do we do it? Yeah. And, uh, and concurrently, what happened uh, right around the same time, uh, that guy Kurt that I, huh? I had mentioned earlier, yeah. he called me up and he's like, hey, Levi, there's an opportunity. There's a pilot that Zillow is running. What's a pilot? <clears throat> and uh, and he's like, it's the foreclosure program. Uh -huh. And um, I'm uh -huh. like, well, what's that? Yeah. He's like, well, it's gonna cost like three thousand dollars a month, and uh, but you'll get the whole city of San Antonio. And I'm like, that's a lot of money, man. And he's like, Levi, do this, do this. And so, right, the very next morning, my phone just like. Boom, boom, like 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 artillery rounds coming in with connections uh, mm -hmm. or you know leads, and yes. um, so um, this whole idea the team was happening then, and, right. and I just I had to start it. I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't maintain. With, yeah. yeah, it's the, the there was this wonderful old skit from the I Love Lucy show mm -hmm. of Lucy and Ethel in the Chocolate Factory, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's the the manager says when the chocolates come down, put them in the package, set them in the box. And they're like, okay, we can do this kind of easy, you know, one right. call, one lead, make a sale. And then the manager walks in and says, okay, you guys got it? Okay, speed it up. And all of a sudden, 
right. an unlimited number of chocolates. They were, you know, they're eating the leads, they're throwing them in their bra, right? It's this, it's this funny example of exactly what you went through. Mm. You don't turn the machine off, you add people. Right. You serve more customers. Absolutely. What was your what was your profile back in the day for hiring people? Of of what? Of, for hiring salespeople. Oh yeah. Did you so, have one or was it like, please I, join me? Well, I think that I think that what was happening is a lot of people at the time, you know, uh, Zillow was nowhere near as big as they were yeah. um, or, or are now, uh, and so everybody knew I was partnered with Zillow at the time, and so you have a lot of curiosity, and yeah. uh, so I attracted a lot of people that were were like me, and so um, we had a lot of military folks that were attracted to, to join our um, the team at yeah. the time. Time and yeah. it wasn't an organ really what it is today, but uh, um, and that's evolved now. Um, but um, you know, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of uh, military veterans uh, that were joining us initially, but not only. I mean, Michelle, very first teammate, it's not a not a military veteran, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, she she does a damn good job helping them. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I think that I think something is also going in my mind too at the time is that in the army they they're very very strict with uh, a couple of things, and uh, one of them in terms of management is a uh, span of control. Yes. Spanish control shouldn't exceed three to five people, at least militarily. Maybe yes. in the business world, it's a little yeah. different. But, uh, you know, when you're in a gunfight, it's hard to control, you know, more than five people. You yeah. know, uh, it's loud, it's chaotic. And so so when the when the chocolate factory started dropping chocolate right. bars on right. me, I had to get more people. And it just kind of happened naturally. And yeah. so um, and I learned really quickly a great way to get people on, in real estate is to, you know, hey, I've got. I've got leads. <laughs> so. Yeah. I got, I got people that want to buy houses. Right. Let's go. Yeah. So what was the growth like? So let, you take on the $3,000 a month, which, you know, today would be 30 or $40,000 right. a month yeah. if you could even have access to it. Right. But back then 3000 was a lot of money. Yep. What was the growth like? Where were you transactions, you know, pre that? And then what happened in the next couple of years? How so, much did you guys grow? I think, the most I did individually was about a hundred transactions by myself. And I was, you know, me and an assistant. And, um, so what happened as we started to grow the team, um, we realized that, um, you, you know, and at this time too, teams weren't, uh, I wouldn't say like a new thing, but it was starting to gain, gain surgeons yeah. again. And so, yeah. um, so brokerages were having a hard time figuring out, Hey, how do we manage all these, these teams? And so, yeah. so naturally what happened is the economics that I had to create to make my team profitable didn't align with what was going on with the brokerage. And so, um, and, uh, I ended up buying a, a Remax franchise mm -hmm. and, uh, a, didn't have a broker's license, just, you know, hey, I'm going to buy a Remax no, franchise. No one told you you needed one of those. <laughs> well, well, no, no, you just hired, hired a yeah, broker. Um, and, yeah, uh, but, um, you know, we um, yeah, started the Remax franchise. Mm -hmm. Remax Military City was the name. Yeah. And um, yep. went through that, and it was just my team. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we moved there, got a little lease space. And uh, I think at the, the height of it all, right before, you know, we, we left Remax, uh, we, I think we were at like 20 to 25 agents on the team. Um, and, um, you know, so, yeah, that's, that was our, our journey to that point. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work and the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon.
So when did you go independent? When did you start LRG? So that- we, we went independent, um, you know, right around 2020. Um, and um, the, the reason for that was, uh, and this isn't a gig on, on any other no, companies no, no, no. out there, no, but, um, you, you know, uh, we had to move at the pace with our, with our strongest partner at the time and still is this day, Zillow. Um, and, um, you know, they're moving fast. This was right before Zillow offers. Yep. You know, I knew that was coming and they had a lot of things that they were trying to do and wanted to do that may not have aligned well with the big brands business. Yeah. And, um, and so for us, it was the right decision to, to, to leave, uh, yeah. the, the economics on the, uh, on the Zillow offer side for real estate teams right. or brokers was this big. It gave you a tremendous amount of transactions mm-hmm. and, and volume. And, but, but, you know, I know the numbers, right. So being inside that traditional model and I don't know, not cause you know, Nick, if you're watching, I love you, CEO of Remax, it, yeah. it just didn't make sense. Right. So we saw just like we saw during the flight of the REO days, mm-hmm. which you, you weren't a part of in the right. seven, eight, nine, ten, if you were. Uh, a Hispanic woman and you started your own brokerage and you could take over this zip code, they would give you every REO you wanted. You know what I mean? Like there was just, it was, it was beautiful what was happening, giving so many people opportunities to go build up these monster businesses. Right. Like it was, it was, it was awesome, but it was, it was hard. It was hard for brokers. It was hard for new team leaders transitioning kind of transitioning seems to be the word of the day here. I think real estate, like it's constant state of transition, right? And I think one of the things that's helped us out a lot is, is trying to stay ahead of, of change. And, you know, when, uh, um, you know, people will adapt and change, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to get changed, you know, (laughs) uh, I want to, I want to be control of the change. And so um, trying to stay ahead of of that uh, has also been a a good uh, thing for us. So, so you get that account, it's 2020. 2020 was a transition year. Right. Right. Had a little thing called COVID. Yep. And and in the middle of all that, what was the growth like? So it was crazy. So COVID smacked earth and, um, you know, we're still probably, you know, 30-ish type people. Um, it, was, it was chaos. Nobody knew what we were going to do. And, um, and so uh, uh, we decided we're going to, well, we're going to do what everybody's not doing. We're not going to run for the shore. We're going to go out into the ocean and we're going to, we're going to grow. Yeah. Uh, so um, we just started, uh, you know, letting the world know that, Hey, our, our teams, our team wants you type thing. Kind of yeah. like the uncle Sam, like I yeah, want yeah, And, uh, yeah. um, and uh, we shored up our onboarding process, our, our training uh, process, uh, looked at restructuring the organization. We added mentors uh, because that, that span of control things always in my, mind. And so, um, we added mentors that are there to, uh, you know, basically train, advise, assist, uh, the agents in their journey because I I was, I was tapped out on time. Mm -hmm. I'm maintaining the Zillow account and, you know, doing all kinds of things to grow the business. And so, um, we got the mentors going, we got our onboarding process going, and then we started letting the world know, Hey, uh, we want you and we'll train you and we'll give you business. And, uh, once we started doing that, uh, our value proposition, that we had at our, our, our brokerage, uh, it worked well. And yeah. uh, we went from 30 to over 200 and inside two years. And you, I mean, that was back, you went from like 500 transactions to a couple thousand transactions. And now, you know, last year, as, as everybody knows, last year, the second half of the year wasn't as great as the first right. half. And still to finish at, you know, 2,600, 2,700 yeah. transactions, it's a big business. Unpack for the listener, what's a team leader and what do they do? What's the what? What's your team leader and what do they do? 
My team leader? Yeah, what do they me. do? The, no, um, no, 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 you're all your eight team leaders. Oh, okay, my mentors. Are, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, mentor. all right. Oh, I, I didn't Sorry. know if that was a trick question. No, um, no, no, no. And, uh, my, bad. Like, no. my bad, my bad. You're in charge of your business. No, so they're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen of those that are in their charge. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a very simple job description, you know, train, coach, teach, mentor, answer mm-hmm. questions. Uh, of course, we help out, yeah. um, but um, they're all involved in the onboarding process. So each of them have a, let's say, you know, we'll just say Joe, Joe has uh, this two classes that uh, he's excelled in and Jane has these two classes that she's excelled in. And so they, um, uh, they task organize it, uh, you know, amongst themselves. And so uh, it's a five day onboarding process that happens. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, the mentors, they, they handle onboarding, they handle just all the questions and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that's been a unique uh, aspect to the success of our organization is that we have this uh, raise your hand culture. Uh, we, um, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have a problem type yeah, thing. And yeah. so uh, that helps as well um, to stay ahead of problems. But uh, yeah, they're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen with those agents. And uh, um, it's um, it's pretty uh, cutthroat to be to be quite honest with you. So someone might be listening to this and thinking that sounds like a like a sales manager or you know right. an office manager. It, you know, are you guys multiple offices, a single office? Like, are they all inside one location? How does that work? So, um, you know, there's no, like, uh, individual office at the office for these folks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they it's, a, it's a, basically an open cafe type, grab your laptop and, you know, put it on a desk type thing. But uh, there's certainly private meeting rooms to where they can go yeah. coach their, the agents and stuff on a team. But uh, um, we have one physical location. That's in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we have a small team of 10 folks in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a small team of five folks in Colleen, Texas. Uh, yeah. There's no um, physical location at those uh, places. There may be in the future. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we just need to make sure we have the personnel and the business where it makes sense. But uh, the headquarters in San Antonio, that's where all the mentors are at currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, every day you'll see you'll see one or two of them in there meeting with, with agents. Maybe they're teaching a class or, or something of that nature. But, uh, again, they, you know, they're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen. Right. Um, they are at that uh, – we have a meeting every every Thursday that we have with all the mentors, and we go over all the appointments, the leads, et cetera, agent by agent, appointment by appointment every week. And, you know, it's okay, kind of you brutal. Gotta, we just talked about this on our mastermind, right? right? So we for the person listening, we just literally got off a mastermind with about 20 other people like Levi that are just these world-class operators. And we we're talking about the leaky bucket, right? The leaky funnel where mm-hmm. maybe you can relate to this as you're listening that we looked at this cohort of 90 days of leads and a very exceptional team, right? Not yours, another exceptional Mm -hmm. team essentially converted 91 transactions out of 4,416 leads in a one year period. Of that 4,400 leads, another 418 people bought a house from someone else. And this caused the team leader to say, "I I need to now have a monthly, she said monthly and you went weekly, monthly meeting where we review every salesperson, every lead, every opportunity. Because if you're hearing me, they're getting one sale, but they're losing four. Yeah. Now I don't, you know, we should do the same sort of Amazon Turk thing through Greg and all those guys on your database just just to see, because 
So, so unpack for us, if, if there's a team leader listening right now or a broker leading, or, or listen, a, a single agent who does open houses and gets referrals and maybe gets some online leads, we all know the deal. We get one good one. We're like, okay, this is the one. Yeah. I'm going to take, you know, this one's going to get all my attention and all these other opportunities start falling apart. So, so walk us through the process. You got 245 agents. You got eight mentors. Mm. you're going through a lot of leads and a lot of appointments in two and a half hours. Right. Uh, what so, does that look like? So, well, you, you know, and, and it's fairness too, is not, not all the 245 people are taking leads or connections that week or that yeah. month. And so we manage off the percentages. And so uh, uh, there may be somebody that, you know, on vacation or something. And so uh, it's a really neat setup. Uh, but uh, that meeting per se, what, what's happening is we're going off the connections that were delivered in the last seven days. Yeah. Um, additionally, we're going off a third 30 days, and then we're looking at 90 and 180. Mm -hmm. uh, we make decisions, decisions on on the team, off the team, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, based off the 180-day conversion in fairness yeah. to the agents because, you know, they, there may be, a, you know, just get a There's bad. Always, yeah, a bad or, circumstance, or, or, right. something out of their control. And so we make we make hard decisions uh, on the six-month metric. Uh, but, um, you know, we what, try to. What do you mean hard decision? Like uh, you're not going to be part of this uh, lead program or you're doing well in Zillow Flex, but you're not doing well in, uh, let's say, Op City or, yeah. you know, or, or whatever it is. And yeah. so uh, maybe it's best to pull you out of this program and put you in another, or or maybe you owe the company two two deals from this, and then we'll turn you back on, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it just depends, and it's involved with the mentor uh, and myself, and then uh, the director of buyer agent operations. We all kind of figure out what the best. Uh, direction is because, uh, you know, every agent and every situation is completely different. Yeah. And so, um, and so we just take that approach, but, uh, you know, we're, we're getting granular. We're looking at appointment rate, met with rate, showing rate, uh, offer rates, uh, and conversion rates. And, uh, the reason for the weekly meeting is to stay ahead so we can identify problems right. ahead of waiting that 180 days for, Oh, wow. You know, Sally's conversion rate after we, you know, we just gave Sally 40 connections is, is below where it needs to be. Yep. Um, and so we are, we work closely with our partners, uh, that help, uh, you know, deliver some of these uh, connections to us, uh, and, uh, identifying, you know, what, uh, um, you know, where, where the agents at along, uh, along their journey, you know, and, uh, what their appointment rate is, you know, how much are they answering their phone? How often are they calling out? You know, our CRM lets us know how many texts they're making, yeah. how many calls they're making, et cetera. So, uh, all of that goes down in this meeting. Uh, and, um, you know, we look at also too, you know, just for opportunities for individual training right. and collective training. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Every single week, every week, every week, every week, eight mentors and you and the head of sort of buyer, you know, buyer agency right. Absolutely. going through appointment by appointment, salesperson by salesperson. Absolutely. There's not many people in the country I can think of that are that rigorous. That are that what? That are that rigorous. Yeah. That are just, you know what I mean? Like maniacal. Like, is that, is that, I just want to make a fortune? Is that, I want to serve the customer? Is it just because of what happened to you, you just, you know, because of your military training, how does somebody get that? Well, I think too, though, is that, you know, the, the eight mentors and my leadership team, they're, 
they they fit that culture. They're they're on board with that. Yeah. And so it's not it's not just me. Yeah. I mean, these folks are doing a phenomenal job in taking yeah. uh, what may be a hard conversation and translating that into an easier conversation with the agent and getting a result out of it. And so, um, you know, so I just wanted. I mean. It's, it's a lot them as well. But uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, for me, uh, obviously, the customer uh, 100% uh, is our North Star. Uh, however, um, not letting down those agents uh, mm-hmm. that have, um, you know, an agent comes to me and says, hey, Levi, I want to I want to sell houses for a living and I want to make a lot of money and, and do this and, you know, go buy fancy cars or whatever their goals are. You know, I'm also going to look in the mirror and say, hey, OK, well, how how can I help you do that? And if they're committed and they're showing up to work and they're putting in the work. Well, I'm also going to take ownership of that as well. And so uh, really identifying how to help that agent get where it is that they want to go. And for some people, you know, they just, they're happy selling one house a quarter. That's, yeah. that's, that's good for them. And then, but others, you know, they need to sell three houses a month, you know? And so, um, so we look at all that, uh, and, um, shoot, I forgot the rest of the uh, question. No, right? that's it. No, yeah. I mean, you answered it. So I'm yeah. asking like, you know, why, you know, mm-hmm. why? And, yeah. and it sounds like it's the customer and it's also your dedication to helping your agent. Yeah. Right. If they're on your team, it's a, it's leadership. Right. We mm-hmm. there's we have an obligation to help them get what they want. Well, I right? think the other thing, too, is, a, you know, a, along with that, you mentioned the word obligation is that, um, you know, I can't let, you know, one person or let's say a group of people uh, either they're. Um, performance, whether it be to do training or choice, depending mm-hmm. on whatever is driving that performance, yeah. uh, to ruin a relationship with, let's say, we'll just say Zillow. Like, I'm not going to let that get compromised. I'm not going to yeah. let the entire team suffer because of one or two people or five people or, or 10. That, right. um, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's my responsibility as a, the leader of this organization is to make sure that uh, I keep our, our business partners happy as well. So. Hey, so let's uh, let's tease the audience. You're writing a book. I am, and talk about that. Well, I don't know. I, like the whole the whole book thing, uh, it wasn't uh, something that uh, I set out to do. But then so many people are saying, "Hey, Levi, you should, should write a book." Right. And so uh, I was like, "All right, how to?" I got on Google. How do you write a book? And uh, so I got linked up with a pretty cool company to help me write the book. And uh, I have a book coming out. So it'll probably be uh, another six months or so because uh, the book we got to add another chapter because I'm, I'm having a baby. I know. And, I know. Uh, and oh, so you may have heard it here first, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Coming <laughs> and so, up. Um, so uh, that's that's what's holding the book up is I need yeah. to I need to add a, a chapter because I, I just can't have my daughter. Um, yeah. you know, not included in a book. And 100%. so, uh, um, nonetheless, um, you know, the book's titled 30 seconds. And, uh, the reason why we went with that, uh, title is because it, my life and, uh, you guys just got a, you know, an hour of it today, but just continued like short opportunities, short interactions. And I mean, right. and how we met, right. I, I mean, right. very short interaction and, yep. and, it, and it happened and we, you took yep. action. And so, yep. uh, the book is uh, titled 30 seconds to demonstrate, uh, just, you know, all these short interactions that have had not only positive, profound impact in my life, but also some things that happened that, that probably could have gone a different way. You know? oh, yeah. And so, um, but yeah, it's, uh, really exciting. Uh, right. It's got a lot of deep stories in there and, uh, uh, yeah, we're excited to get it out. Man, I can't wait. We have to come back and do another podcast when, once that book is out. Maybe we'll do a, like a little event or something. Not a little yeah. event. We'll do a big event. All right. All right. Well, let's transition to the last question. You told me a story recently about uh, where you live today where, and where you live today. Oh, yeah. And how you look down the valley 
yeah. to a certain apartment building. So, it, it, you know, what's interesting is um, very blessed. Life's treated me way better than I, I thought I ever would, you know. So I've got a pretty, pretty juicy house. And, um, you, you know, I want to take it back. I was sitting in a hunting stand with my son, Owen, and uh, uh, he showed me this house on Zillow. He was looking. And so kids kids are involved in house choices. Don't, yes. don't, uh, yes. uh, don't underestimate that. So uh, way out of the price point that I was considering. I was yeah. not considering what I, yeah. what I bought. And he's like, hey, Dad, hey, this, is, this is five acres in the city of San Antonio. And I'm like, Nah, the maps got the mapping's off. I know, yeah. I know the mapping's off. Zillow's yeah. wrong, right? yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, um, and I started looking at it. And I'm like, holy smokes! So immediately, like we're all nasty. We 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 drive down. You you're know. out. You're out hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're hunting. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and, and so because this is like a unicorn house that doesn't exist, and uh, um, so we scheduled an appointment to go see it, and uh, we get back, and uh, as I'm driving up the hill. Um, I looked over and, uh, the apartment, uh, I mentioned the Rea family earlier yeah. and, um, and like before I got to that house, I knew I was going to buy it because hopefully the old seller's not listening to this, cause, <laughs> but, uh, um, but the, the opportunity that I have every day to drive by the apartment, the home that was given to me to live in when I couldn't afford one, driving up the hill to live in my, my you know, ridiculous house that I have on top of this this mountain, um, it is just has a profound effect on me. And I, I get to do it twice a day, every single day. On the way to the airport, when I came here this morning, mm-hmm. I, I just not, I just look over. And I look at it, and uh, uh, for me, it, it helps keep me not only grounded, but it also just keeps me motivated and keeps me going. And, uh, you know, we're, we're extremely benevolent uh, as an organization as well. Uh, and, um, you know, I just know that uh, um, my journey wouldn't be it. It wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have happened the way it did without the kindness and generosity of others. And so I just felt that God— um, you know, just keep showing up in my life. And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I knew, I knew right when we went over there, it just, I knew that I was buying that house. And so, um, I bought it. Congrats. Yeah. That's, I, I thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, I love when you, when you told me the first time I was like, yeah. I, I, I want that on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if somebody wanted to reach out to you, Somebody wanted to email you and ask you a question or just say thank you. What's the best way for them to connect well, we with you? We can put the info uh, here in the, yeah. the, in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got a complicated email address, but uh, I'm on uh, I'm on Facebook and yeah. TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I think our, our handle is like at Levi Rogers, LRG. Yeah. Um, but uh, my name's Levi, so it's not too hard to find. You yeah. can just uh, get on Google and, and hit us up on our website or what have you. Rogers with a D, R-O-D-G-E-R-S, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So I know you. I know you'll answer those questions, and I have a feeling you're going to get flooded with a bunch of people just saying thank you. Thank you for your service, mm-hmm. and also just thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. So as we wrap today, if there was just something you could say to every real estate agent around the world, right, for the, the person listening right now, What's your closing thoughts for them as we look to the future of real estate? We look to the future of their business. What would you say to them? Well, I think that 
I think your your destiny is in your hands. It, it's the actions you you take or don't take that will drive your future. I don't have a master's degree in real estate. You know, I don't have a, a, you, you know like this crazy background where you know yeah. I was exposed to real estate my entire life. But uh, you know the the systems, the processes, steps you have to take are, are out there, and there's so many different examples of different types of people that are doing it their way. Yeah. Um, and uh, don't be afraid of failing and just take action. And, uh, you, you know, just recently, just yesterday, I haven't shared this with you. Um, and so, uh, one of our agents was out showing a house, um, and they were teaching one of their, their mentees, uh, mm -hmm. how to do a final walkthrough at a new home. Yeah. And, uh, while they're doing it, they're recording it and I'll show you the video after we're done. They're recording it, you know, how to do a final walkthrough. And all of a sudden they hear noise. They hear somebody screaming for help. And it's like, uh, help, help, you know, whatever. And uh, so uh, the guy, the mentor, Jason, at the time, uh, they, they start running over there to see how they can help. Um, and uh, it turns out one of the workers in the, in the neighborhood, uh, like, cut with a circular saw, damn near his whole leg off, and uh, is really bad. And um, he's bleeding out. And uh, my agent, uh, Jason, um, happens to be a 20-year uh, military veteran army nurse. So just jumps in there, is getting bloody, sticking his thumb on arteries and just doing all the thing. And um, so I called a friend of mine that, uh, you know, um, is a news anchor in San Antonio. And I said, you know, one of the things that uh, – I think that our society needs to hear more of is um, about people that um, don't live in fear. They, they take action. They're not worried about the outcome. And yeah. I've got this guy, Jason, that, that heard a screaming noise, ran over there and just immediately went to work. And so I think that, you know, Every time you have an opportunity to put some work in, do it. Stop being afraid. Just, just do it. And uh, you got one shot at life and just take action. And so uh, I think that that would be my message. Uh, the, the scripts, the dialogues, the processes, the systems, all that's out there. The yeah. It's like the, like the, the folks that, uh, um, you know, the, they go to the gym, you know, you, you know, the hardest part is going to the, the gym. gym. It's not, yeah, not when there. you're at the gym, it's, yeah. uh, it's just getting from your bed to the gym. You know, action. So, I don't know. It's just taking action. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. I appreciate you so much, man. No, thank this, you. This I appreciate you as cool. well. This is super cool. So, yeah. hey, for my friend listening, you probably have three people you should share this with. I would send it to them today and maybe let them know how much you appreciate them. And then listening to this could really help them as well. So thank you, man. Thank yeah. you again for everything yeah. you do. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. We're out. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.